Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This is the Wade Ford Tailgate Show. On the home for our Falcons. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. An NFL Sunday that doesn't happen to have the Atlanta Falcons teeing the ball up to play football, and I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's a good thing, given what we've seen the last month or so here. Welcome to the Wade Ford Tailgate Show. Doesn't mean you can't have a tailgate today, because it is an absolutely pitch-perfect, gorgeous day. It's almost a shame the, the Falcons are playing today, beautiful as it is out there in Atlanta today. The Wade Ford Tailgate Show, brought to you by Wade Ford, Atlanta's Ford dealer. John Fricky alongside former Falcon Harper LaBelle, and our Falcons insider and reporter Joe Patrick. And gentlemen, uh, just a, a wonderful day today. Going to be an interesting day of the NFL to see what happens kind of around the Atlanta Falcons today. Uh, but uh, one thing is true, the Falcons at 4-6 and six are not going to make up any ground because the... Uh, <coughs> Northern Saints also at uh, at five and five and leading the division happen to have a bye week as well. How you guys doing? Well, good. How are you? First and foremost, how are you, John? Well, I, I'm doing better, and I appreciate everybody's uh, you know concerns and uh, you know about my health issue. But uh, no, I, I feel I feel fine. I mean, would you open the roof Falcons today? Fan. You're going to open the roof, aren't you? If you're uh, if yeah, you're, I mean, uh, you're sure. going to open. It's what a great day. You're right. Absolutely. Here for uh, yeah. mid late November to be able to open the roof and uh, even though we're not playing, uh, beautiful day here yeah. in Atlanta. I almost get the sense, I, 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 yeah. I almost get Joe, the you sense know it's that, not going to be this nice, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was going to say I almost get the sense that the sun is shining even brighter today because the Falcons aren't on the field. Uh, it's it seems like a nice reprieve at this point in the season from um, what this team's been going through these last few weeks. Yeah, no kidding. And as they sit there, you know, after 10 games at four and six, you know, because, you know, three, four weeks ago, we were going into this stretch. You're four and three, you're alone in first place, you're above 500, and we're looking and going, can they be seven and three when they get to the break? And then, then lo and behold, uh, you no. get uh, three back to back to back losses yeah. like that. No, the answer to that question is no. We can't yeah, do it. Yeah. How about you get one of those three? But not even that. So, but even that, having said all that, for all of the angst here, uh, do keep in mind, and, and as we take you through the next couple of hours in our coverage of the NFL today on 92 on the game, you, you kind of keep this in mind. It, it, we're going to have the Tampa-San Francisco game. That'll be our second of the triple header today. If Tampa should lose that game out in San Francisco, and certainly the 49ers are favored, then next week uh, against the Swampers at home when you start the second half, that's going to be a game for sole possession of first place in the NFC South. So yeah. no, no matter whatever else has happened, <laughs> you could we could be sitting here seven days from now going, you know what, Falcons are back alone in first place. I, it's absolutely true. 
it's it's kind of unbelievable. And um, you know, it, the other thing about that game though is that if the Falcons are to lose it, it's one of those ones where either puts you in first place, but if you're on the wrong side of the result next week, then you are really looking up. Uh, it's going to be a really tough road to hoe. So it's going to be an, an incredibly important game when they get back, and maybe that's the reason why you could argue that this has been kind of an important week to to have the bye, to stop the bleeding from these last three games, to get yourself corrected here. But obviously, there's there's a lot to fix um, when you're having to deal with you know who's going to be the starting quarterback. That's a situation that no team wants to be trying to deal with uh, in week ten or eleven in the season. So. I think it'll be a very much a, a, a big test for this team and see how resilient they are at this point in the season, despite how the, how it's gone so far. You know, John, that I'm is not Joe biggest... Patrick. He is our Falcons insider and reporter, and Harper LaBelle, former Falcon on the WaitFor.com hotline. Here could be uh, interesting. Uh, jumping in with a guest or two here as we go through the show today. I'm sorry, Harper. Go ahead. I was just going to say I'm not the biggest movie goer, but there's a line in the movie Dumb and Dumber. So you're telling me there's a chance. Arthur Smith dropped that line the other day. You have to be crazy not to say (laughs) how after these last three games that, John, you mentioned just a few seconds ago, and you lose by three points, three points, two points respectively, and you're telling me that next week we still have a chance to at least tie for first place in the the division? What an amazing season. Well, well, even though... I mean, because you don't all the tiebreakers. Right, but... just, just win, baby, and we got a chance. Oh my goodness, what a topsy-turvy yeah, season! It's, it's, uh, it's been interesting to say the least. And with seven to go after this week, uh, every one of those will be critical. Uh, we'll be bringing you live broadcasts from either the stadium or here at the studio, and every one of them is going to have significance. We are uh, doing the Wade Ford Dalegate Show on a by Sunday here, and uh, hopefully you uh, enjoy our conversation over the next couple of hours with John, Joe, and Harper as we uh, get into some of the uh, issues with the Falcons during this bye week and what they face in the final seven games of the regular season and the countdown to a potential playoff. This portion of the Wade Ford Tailgate Show is brought to you by Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster is the official ticket marketplace of the Falcons and the NFL. And if you want to check out tickets for next Sunday's game against the Swampers, you can do so at Ticketmaster.com and on the Mercedes-Benz app. Uh, Harper, the decision was been, uh, we've been playing kind of, you know, musical chairs here at the at the quarterback spot and the decision was made this week okay we are going to for the rest of this season and it's a decision that by the way generally I agree with because I think we have to find out and we'll get more into you know what the future might hold for the uh, Falcons at that position but Harper the decision was made to ride with Ritter are you down with that are you good with that if my baseball analogy as a manager will go with the hot hand and put him on the mound, um, that that's what the Falcons are saying we're not going to do. Um, with the exception of Logan Woodside, I don't mind who plays just as long as we can score some points when we need it and you know get get in position to kick a field goal or or win the game there at the end. So I understand it. Um, I think Desmond's play will determine whether or not he sits in in the starting position. Here's an interesting comment that. I got the other day from a former Falcon. Why does Atlanta not have a C on the jersey of their starting quarterback? We're one of the few teams in the league that mm. has not given a captainship uh, a banner. You know that little, uh, uh, you know, piece, of, piece a, of cloth. Yeah, it's yeah. a badge that yeah. they give. Atlanta's one of the few guys that they haven't done that yet. He's done everything from a leadership perspective 
um, practice. He holds meetings. He has people stay after. He goes out early. He does everything, but they haven't done that yet. So that, to me, is an interesting comment that has been observed that uh, has me questioning. I'm scratching my head thinking, you know, I think every other quarterback does have a C on their jersey, but uh, ours doesn't. So am I okay with it? Um, That's his decision. Arthur Smith made it, and I'm fine with what he does. Um, I I think that Desmond will play himself either into that starting position and everyone will settle in with him, or he may play himself out of it. I certainly hope it's not the latter. And I could just add a little bit of of color there to that, Harper. He's not. He has been rotated in, so Arthur Smith, they use one of the captain uh, spots as a, you know, they rotate players through every week, and what I thought was interesting was Arthur Smith actually rotated Desmond Ritter into that captain role for the game after that Jacksonville game where he threw back-to-back interceptions on, on back-to-back dropbacks, looked really bad. I think a lot of Falcons fans and media were thinking that he might get benched in that game, not mm-hmm. later on down right. the season. Yep. Um, comes back, it was for that Texans game, by far the best game of his career um, to date and one of the best games of actually any starting quarterback so far in the NFL this season but just hasn't been able to hit those heights. Maybe that maybe they do need to put the captain <laughs> on on him full time. Maybe that would help. What do you think, things. John? Well, you know, I, I don't really care about the captaincy. What I care about is the results here, and and the decision here to go with Ritter, I think, is the correct one. Uh, if for 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 two reasons. Number one, I think we have established that much as we like the idea of the kid from Collins Hill, Taylor Heineke is never going to be the permanent starting quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons. Therefore. You have to make a decision about this position going into next season. And the decision is going to be, is Desmond Ritter going to be the guy you ride with? That's why I ask, are you going to ride with Ritter next year? Or are you going to go out and make a change through the through the draft or through a, uh, a trade? And we'll get into that a little bit later into the program here. So I, I think you have to make a determination here. I, I got to tell you, so I think in that regard, it's the right decision. Uh, how it's going to play out, I, I really don't think it really Joe matters much uh, to me. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I, 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 I would imagine that the the players have, for better or worse, uh, pretty much the the same uh, you know view of uh, you know their confidence level of either quarterback. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it, it is more just one of those kind of funny coincidence things, or you wonder maybe if there was maybe anything more to it by the fact that he took more ownership of the team that week and he happened to have his best week. But yeah, I agree with you. But I do think that you know it's funny we are talking about this as if it has been decided that Ritter will be the quarterback. And why I say we, I mean everybody. I think in Falcons fans, I think everybody's realized over these last couple of weeks that okay, Desmond Ritter probably does give us the best chance to win. I think you could see it in that Cardinals game when he came into that game. You can just see the difference in the arm talent, first of all, just in the way that he was able to drive the football on a line, on a rope, and and get the ball into the receiver's hands uh, quicker than Heineke was able to do in those games. I think that you also saw him just taking some more risks and pushing the ball a little bit more than Heineke did. I think the announcers were really talking about it during that game where he hadn't even thrown anything really beyond the sticks, um, maybe in in the entire game. So um, I do think that they will go to Desmond Ritter. I think that will be made official by Arthur Smith tomorrow when he speaks to media um and i think that it's the I, I agree with you john i think it's the right move for the organization to gain more information about what they have in this player and that will therefore help them determine how they want to go forward at the position on the roster whether that means they don't see enough throughout the rest of the year and they need to draft a quarterback if they want to maybe cut bait on heineke's contract early there's there's lots of different ways they'll have to manage the situation but i think that starting ritter for the rest of the year will give them the best chance to kind of dissect and analyze all of that harper give me a minute here as as a former player 
who who uh, you know has seen a quarterback succeed and fail in the NFL on the field here. What is the the one thing that you could lean on if I'm if you're talking to me as a fan, okay, or everybody out there that's listening, uh, from your player perspective, that says to me that over these final seven games, I'm going to see something from Desmond Ritter. Well, I, I would put it this way, John, and I played with the Falcons when we had four quarterbacks during my first year here. We had Chris Miller, we had Wade Wilson, who we got as a backup uh, in case Chris got hurt. We had Billy Joe Tolliver, who fought his way into the lineup and stayed, and uh, a guy named Brett Favre. And as a player, we didn't care who was on the field as long as somebody was going to help take us to where we needed to be to win a ball game or put us in position to where we could win and where the defense said, hey, if we get a stop here, that's it. We're, we're, we'll have at least one more point than our opponent. Um, you've got two quarterbacks, and if you add Logan, and I'm not doing that because he's a guy that doesn't dress all the time. So you got two quarterbacks, and you brought Tyler – uh, Taylor Heineke in to be the guy in case someone got hurt, right? That's what he was here for, in my opinion. You give him a you know pretty good size contract to back up and be the guy, not to be your starter. So I agree with you there. But is Desmond that guy? And I'm not sure quite yet if he's proven that. And how many more games do we need before he does? The fact that we can't throw the ball past 15 yards or don't even try to is a gigantic red flag to me in that even though it's an interception that's possible or an incompletion, the fact that we're not completing any of those makes it so much easier to play defense against us. That's a concern for me. It is. Yeah, it's a concern for all of us. It is the Wade Ford Tailgate Show on a bye week for the Atlanta Falcons. A couple of hours of uh, us talking and chatting and breaking it all down, including Arthur Smith and his job security, which uh, is it on the line here in the final seven games of this season. We'll talk about that next, what he had to say about that job security, and get the, the thoughts of Joe and Harper as we continue on the Wade Ford Tailgate Show live on Sports Radio 90. No, in terms of like worrying about everything, you know, outside of your control, right? I mean, that, and I'll say this, like in professional sports, like don't go and get into professional sports if you if you're worried about that. So, I mean, that's just the truth, I and mean, that's kind of your your life philosophy. That's why I think this game is so. Yep. Well, that's Arthur Smith talking about the pressure of being a head coach in the NFL. You get paid a lot of money, but uh, you better produce. And right now. It's been a little bit in question here with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, welcome back to the Wade Ford Tailgate Show on this bye week, live on Sports Radio 90 Time the Game. John Fricky, Harper, LaBelle, Joe Patrick with you as we take you to our coverage triple header today, live on Sports Radio 90 Time the Game, beginning at 12.30, and we'll be on all the way till 12.30. It'll be Dallas and Carolina, followed by Tampa Bay and San Francisco, and then Minnesota and Denver, a triple header of games live all the way through till about 11.30 p.m. Eastern time tonight right here on 92.9 The Game. Uh, Harper, um, I, I think it's fair to say that Arthur Smith in the first year uh, as a head coach with uh, Matt Ryan at quarterback uh, sort of overachieved at 7-10 and 10 and kept the team viable until the first week of January. I think it's fair to say that with the, you know, the neutral arm quitter last year, that at 7-10 and 10, he sort of overachieved with all of the problems with the salary cap and kept them viable until Christmas week in, in the hunt. This year at four and six at the bye week, I think it's also fair to say that I think he's underachieved. Agreed or disagree? 
Yeah, and you always put a smile on my face, John, when you call him the noodle-armed quarterback. For some reason, I just I love it every time you do so. <laughs> and I, I would call him something different, but the fact that he left the locker room after he was demoted, that uh, he, he lost my respect forever. No- noodle-armed quitter, by the way. Yeah, Qu- quitter. Quitter. Let's not forget uh, the quitter part. <laughs> the quitter quarterback. And you sometimes you don't even call him the quarterback. So I don't know, John. You have to go back into your memory banks. Who's the first guy that said? Because it makes me laugh at this, too, this quote. There are two types of coaches out there, the ones that have been fired and the ones that are going to be fired. Whoever said that, and that's an accurate statement. Now, is Arthur Smith on the chopping block right now? Probably a little more than he was when we were four and four or, you know, two and two and, uh, you know, whatever. But, you know, losing the last three games has certainly opened that conversation. Um, I asked Joe to look it up. I think it's undisclosed. I, I, I have not found a we contract don't know what, length. We don't of, know the term of his contract or when either Rich McKay or Fontenot or really Arthur Blank wants to determine whether or not they have that conversation. I'll know when it's happening when someone says, no, 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 no. When one of those three says, we are not going to get rid of our head coach because those are the that's the kiss of death. When, when you hear an owner or someone say, we're not, it's like when a player signs a contract. It's not about the money. Well, it, that's exactly what it is. And that's <laughs> what, why you're, you know, you're, you're not signing the contract and holding out. So I, I wish we didn't have this conversation, but uh, losing the last three in a row has certainly opened it back up, in my opinion. Uh, I hope he does everything that he can because he's not catching balls or dropping balls or blocking or tackling anybody but he's paying the guys that that are and uh, so far the results the last three weeks have been uh, unacceptable well and, and if I could just add on to that you know the, John the way that you set that up I think it was correct where he has kind of overachieved for those first two years but the expectations were so low for those first two years I think that that really kind of diminishes how good of a coaching job however good it may have been those first two in the in the eyes of a fan, they don't really care that much if it was like that if it was like a great coaching job to get you to seven and ten versus being three and fourteen or whatever it may have otherwise been. Um, because what really matters is winning, going to the playoffs, you know, winning titles, winning winning the division. And now that this team had a bona fide chance, has still has a bona fide chance to do some of those things this year, it means a lot more. And so when it means a lot more when then you get the underperformance of the team in that year, then it's going to have a much bigger kind of impact on people's psyches and the way that they think about the coach. And, you know, that might be right. You know, it might be right that, you know, you can have a coach that can do more with less, but then when it finally comes time to really, you know, make pay dirt and really, you know, show that you can convert this team from a middling, you know, underdog type to one that can go on and, and actually achieve things, um, that a coach can actually get the team to that level. I think that that's still kind of up in the air right now. Yeah, it is up in the air. We're talking about Arthur Smith's job security as head coach of the Atlanta Falcons here on the Wade Ford Tailgate Show on this bye week. The Wade Ford Tailgate Show brought to you by Wade Ford, which is Atlanta's Ford dealer. This week, uh, the uh, coach, Arthur Smith, talking about uh, publicly saying that he understands why the fans might be calling for his job. It goes back to his pro football. Like, don't sign up for it. I mean, it's honestly, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you won 10 Super Bowls or you don't win anything. I mean, it's that's what it is. And so if you don't like that, don't sign up for it. Um, it's, you know, you, players, everybody. I mean, if you don't want the pressure, there's other professions you can go do. That's just what it is, Jeff. You know what I mean? Like, 
we know what we're hired to do, and, and you embrace it, and you try to do everything you can to win. So you do, you do right by the job you're hired to do. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting, Joe, because, you know, you and Harper and I, we, we see, you know, on X and on Facebook and, and IG and wherever, there's, you know, criticism criticism Arthur Smith here. It's a little bit, it, it's understandable, but it's difficult for us sometimes when, when some fans say, I, I don't know why you're not blasting the coach. You know, even towards the end when, when Hugh and I were calling for, you know, Dan Quinn to be removed, is that you develop personal relationships, and whether Dan Quinn deserved to be removed as head coach, which he did, uh, that doesn't diminish the fact I happen to really like the guy. I mean, he's a friend of yeah. mine. It's hard to, when you're saying, I want my friend to be fired. It's somebody I like. And Arthur Smith, I, I don't want him to just, Joe, succeed as the Falcons head coach because I'm a Falcons fan. I want him to succeed because there's something inside of me that still says that I think that Arthur Smith has an opportunity let's say he was fired here, he could go somewhere else, that he's going to turn into a pretty good head coach. Uh, now, he's got a learning curve that's going on here, but I'm kind of hoping it kind of catches for him a little bit because I don't want to see him go to another team and suddenly we're going, why did we get rid of Arthur Smith? Right, right, exactly. I mean, like, listen, Arthur Smith is still, I'm sure, learning things on the daily. You know, he he is a young head coach. This is his first time in this role, and I think that it, he was actually really smart to this year surround himself with some more you know veteran experience coach well he's really done that since he's been here when you have a defensive coordinator like he had with Dean Pease you get Jerry Gray in um, these are really experienced guys where I think Arthur Smith can learn from them as much as you know they from him so um, he is still very young and and I think that there is room for for Arthur as a coach to grow but yeah you're also right John I mean like I, I like Arthur Smith a lot. I think everybody in the press corps likes him a lot. It's really funny because there are some conversations about his likability, I guess, amongst the public because of some of the comments that he's made, especially this year. Um, it's funny to me because I feel like all the the people who have issues with some of the things he's said exist outside of that that press room, and everybody who's in it typically kind of understands when he's kind of you know making a joke or or, or being sarcastic in the way that he often tends to do and. Um, I think that that's something that, frankly, most of us in there enjoy. But, um, yeah, I mean, listen, in our roles as us who are there every day covering the team, it's not really our job to decide when he should be fired or when we think he should be like, that is a, that is a conversation that is valid for fans to have. They should be having those conversations and they should be voicing their opinions on, on those things. That's what sports is all about. Um, but we're just there to try to, you know, tr convey what is happening in the team through the words that all the figures at the team say, whether that's Arthur Smith or the players or anybody else. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I still think that there is an opportunity for this to be turned around. I do not think that he has kind of lost the locker room. And we read some words from Cordero Patterson on last week's show, kind of talking about um, how much support that CP still has for Arthur, despite fans kind of interpreting a tweet that, um, that CP sent as, you know, a shot at Arthur Smith, which he flat out denied uh, in the press. So, if he does lose the team, I think that that's when you really get into a conversation, or not even a conversation, that's when it becomes untenable to a point that you probably do need to make a change, but I don't think that that's happened yet. I think that that's why these next seven games uh, are going to have an outsized impact in determining whether he will be the coach going forward. What are your uh, thoughts, Harper, John? Give me a little bit of insight here, if you can, from your playing days here. You played for, you know, head coaches, most of whom I assume you like, but I'm sure that you had some coaches that, you know, may have rubbed uh, you or the team the wrong way. When it starts to go south on a head coach, what, what, in terms, I'm not talking about record here. I'm talking about 
when you kind of lose that locker room, as Joe was talking about, how does it become noticeable in terms of the on-field performance? What what could fans see go, uh-oh, this is going the wrong way? Uh, yeah, it's an interesting question. So I went through two here in Atlanta with Jerry Glanville. When he was fired, he had a five-year deal, and I think he was re- uh, released after his fourth year. And then June had a three-year deal, and we end up losing to Jacksonville in the last game of the year. Uh, Morton Anderson had a field goal that was kind of blocked. It allowed Jacksonville to get into the playoffs, and we ended up at, what, 4-12 and 12 that year. And uh, two days later, June is, is fired. So uh, just interesting. But I don't think June – I thought he was going to earn another year if we had won that game. So that's literally one kick, you know, ended up uh, getting him expelled a little bit early. Um, but you can kind of tell uh, coaches don't uh, – they don't kid around as much. Uh, it, it's a little more businesslike. Uh, there's not extra time. Uh, you don't get to pat somebody on the shoulder and, you know, ask them how their kids are. It, it really does change the dynamic. And if Atlanta's going to do something like that – who would you replace him with? I mean, I want to say to the fans direct, oh, there's 100 guys that are – no, there's not. Because mm-hmm. everybody that you would want probably already has a job existing right now. Urban Meyer doesn't, but you want to bring that ridiculous mess from Jacksonville into your environment here? Who would you replace him with that doesn't already have a job or you're not going to snipe somebody from another organization? Well, so you got to be careful about what you ask for in a lot of respects. I'm, all, I'm, all I'm hearing is people screaming at the radio saying Jim Harbaugh. That's, yeah. that's all I'm hearing. Well, there's there's Jim Harbaugh. There. I think there's also the, there's kind of like a white whale of like let's get that that next great play caller. That's It's the offensive play caller that everybody wants. So you look at the offensive coordinators around the league, whether that's Ben Slowick in, in Houston or that's Ben Johnson in uh, – in in Detroit, that's another big name to come up. So I think that's what that's what you know fans are after. That's obviously if you get uh, one of those kinds of play callers like a Kyle Shanahan, you know that can really turn the tides of an organization. But it's but it's a huge yeah. risk, and I think that the the, the Joe, I mean. He- you get the greatest play caller in the world to call the plays. You got to have the guys that actually execute them. Exactly. Thank you for saying that because I'm thinking, okay, well, if you want to bring in somebody like that that's a great play caller, then you change your offensive coordinator. You don't need to change the head coach. And one thing that we have to think about here, folks, and I've said this since day one this gentleman, Arthur Smith, had his hands tied behind his back for two years because of the salary cap. And he did better, as you mentioned, John, for the first question. Is, is he overperformed? Is he outperformed? Is he underperformed? But the first two years, he had nothing. Falcons were, what, $60 million over the cap. And he had to put a team on the field with no talent-wise from a money perspective for two years. And now we finally got some money, and we've got a top-10 defense, which we haven't had here in Atlanta in years. So I'm just saying there are still some changes to be made, but if you're going to fire a guy after you told him, I'm going to bring you in for two years and you can't do anything because we don't have any money to give around, that to me would be an upper echelon Arthur Blank discussion that only he could promise anybody. I brought you in here. I know you're going to be handicapped. You're going to be, you're, you're going to have hurdles that you're going to have to get over for the first couple of years. So in defending Arthur Smith just a little bit right now, I have to say from the business perspective, he was handcuffed when he first got the job here. It is the Wade Ford Tailgate Show on a Falcons bye week Sunday. Interesting conversation we're having with our Falcons insider and reporter Joe Patrick, our former Falcons star and, of course, a Georgia State guy who's got some interesting thoughts about what he saw last night in the Georgia State game. Not about Georgia State, but about the other team and how it relates to the Atlanta Falcons that we will get to 
in the uh, next hour of the show. Matter of fact, right at the top of the 11 o'clock hour, which is the quarterback future of the Atlanta Falcons, what does Harper LaBelle have to say after seeing Jaden Daniels in person? Next up, though, I'm going to ask Harper and Joe, and if you're in your car, you're out there grilling on this beautiful Sunday, what kind of a grade do they give the Falcons so far this year? I mean, before you just automatically say F, uh, it's a little bit more in-depth than that, all right? Next, on the Wait for Tailgate Show, live on Sports Radio 92 on the game. It is a bye week for the Atlanta Falcons, but that doesn't mean we're uh, off. Joe and Harper and I are very much on, live on Sports Radio 92 on the game, 1040 in the morning on a Sunday morning, taking you to our triple header of games today on the station. We'll begin with uh, the... Cowboys in Carolina at uh, 12.30 our coverage starts, and we'll take you all the way till 12.30. That'll be followed by the uh, Bucks in San Francisco, and then at 8 o'clock, the uh, 8 o'clock nighttime game, uh, the Minnesota Vikings and the Denver Broncos. A, a lot to get to in the next uh, couple of hours here. We are going to get into the quarterback question and the future of the quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to get into the NFL today, which we'll do in a few minutes here as well, and, and the playoff race and much more as we break down where we stand 10 games into the season for the Atlanta Falcons with a big home date uh, next week looming against the New Orleans Saints. John Fricke alongside former Falcon Harper LaBelle and, of course, uh, Joe Patrick, our Falcons insider and reporter. Gentlemen, uh, so far this season, let's just kind of take a broad look here. Uh, Joe, I want to kind of begin with you here. The Falcons have played uh, 10 games. They have one outright win, okay, and that was the 14-point win on opening day against uh, Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers. That's the only really outright win that they have. They have two outright losses, the back-to-back losses to the Lions and to Jacksonville by 14 and 16. And then in the other seven games, they are 3-4 and four in the uh, toss-up games. They won a game by one point. They won a game by two points. They won a game by three points. I mean, this is the NFL. They lost games by two points, by three points, by five points, and by eight points. Um just kind of, you know, grading the season here, the inability of the team, Joe, to, to, you know, be on the plus side of things, you know, has been a, a problem for them. It was actually a problem last year as well in mm-hmm. losing close games. They were, I believe, 5-8 and eight in one-score games last year. And the inability to complete games at the end of games has been a real problem. You know, despite the coup heroics at times, has been a real problem for the Atlanta Falcons. What, what indication do you have that they're going to be able to kind of solve that kind of never-ending issue for them. Right, right. You you would you would actually like Koo to have less heroics, right? Like in a positive way. You would like to create some separation so that you're not relying on him to kick so many of these game-winning field goals that it seems like um, the Falcons have been relying on him to make so far this year to win games against Tampa Bay, against Houston, and against Green Bay. All three of those games ended at the end with Koo making a field goal, which is not exactly where you want to be. And I think that last year we gave this team a lot of credit for being in these one-score games because they had this, they, you know, they were overmatched in terms of just the the talent that they had on the roster because of all the dead cat that they had accrued and that they were fighting through. And so, you know, that was that was a positive, but then that you were hoping that that would then translate to um, them being in fewer one-score games this year because they would be on the positive end of that. Um, and it clearly hasn't happened. Now, uh, I would say that, though, John, is that the season, and we were talking about this on, on this show several weeks ago, the season was kind of going, I think, how a lot of Falcons fans anticipated. I think a lot of Falcons fans would have told you, you really like the team in weeks one and two against Carolina and Green Bay. It was then going to be tough going to Detroit and then 
going to London to play Jacksonville in those next two games, and then you probably like them in Houston. This is all just before the season, the way that people were projecting it. Probably like them against Houston with a rookie quarterback. Turns out that was a tougher game than anticipated, but they did win that one. Um, you then lose the home game against Washington. That was probably the first big one where you thought this was a game that we expect the Falcons to win where you lose it. Maybe a little bit of a warning sign there, but then they go back on the road. They win their first road game since in the week three against Seattle last year to beat Tampa Bay. But then it's these last three weeks, and this is really where I think that the the public opinion has really turned on not just the coach or any particular player, but just the overall organization, how this thing is kind of snowballing in a positive or negative way. And I think that when you lose at Tennessee and then to Minnesota and Arizona, especially with the quarterback situations that all three of these teams have been going through, that really it feels like unforgivable for a team that had the aspirations that they had going in. So I think this is all just kind of in the eye of the beholder. Whether you see you know some of these things as positive, some of these things as negative, some of these things as correctable, some of these things as you know totally flawed and and uncorrectable. Um, but I think that there is hope in the Falcons organization. I'll tell you that they see this as okay. We've lost a lot of close games that we could have won, should have won. You know, whatever. We're, we're not making excuses, saying that you know we deserve to win those and we didn't. Um, but I think that that's where they see as a glimmer of hope. As is, you know, we we've been in all of these games and almost all of these games, and we could have a very different outlook of the season right now had a few things gone our way. You know, coulda, woulda, shoulda, Harper. I mean, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It is what it is. And but my bigger question is kind of faith you know one of the reasons that Matt Ryan got the nickname Matty Ice was all the you know hey he leads his team back in the final two minutes and and you know you know pretty confident you're going to be able to win a game here I don't necessarily see and I, and I think the proof of that may have been last week against Arizona you know say what you like about not having Grady or own Minata or Calais but they take the lead and yet everybody around here going uh-oh uh, this doesn't look good I mean the <laughs> yeah. the the confidence level of the team to win games doesn't seem to be there. Yeah, I, I would, you know, Maddie Ice. When you said that, I go, gosh, remember, or remember when, right? Remember when? <laughs> Seems so and long ago. There was a game, and we got a chance, and we got it, and everybody felt fantastic. When I first got here, John in Atlanta, it was 1991, and the Braves in 1990 were the worst team in the West, and they were terrible and one of the worst teams in the National League. And then they started turning it around, and I've said this a million times. You watch a Braves game in July and in August and early September of that year, and they're trailing by two or whatever, and they end up winning the game in the eighth or ninth inning. And you found there was a belief system that you had, hey, these guys, they're cardiac kids. I can't go to sleep because they might win the game and I wouldn't want to miss it here's where the Falcons are right now you're thinking hey they're going to be just like this team we're going to win the close one oops we didn't win the close one and now we've lost the last three by a total of eight points and you know the Washington game we had the ball there at the end we couldn't do it ah Another one of those disappointments. So I think that's the part of the frustration. Wait a second. We've already waited two years with Arthur Smith. I don't want to wait another year for this. I see this having happened before. I don't like the way this movie turns out. And that's why everybody's so upset. You want to know the funny thing is that, you know, the games that they've won this year, these close games, these cardiac games where they've won, 
have all been when the when the offense is on the field at the, at the end of the game, and it's been the offense kind of driving them down, putting themselves in position against Green Bay, against Buc- the Buccaneers. Even though the defense kind of gave up a, a late score in that one to put them in a bad position, offense got them down there kind of incredibly um, to give themselves the chance to win that one against Houston. Same same ordeal. And then these last few games, it's been when the defense, which we thought was the strong point of this team. Statistically, at least it was in the early portions of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they've been the ones who have let this team down. The offense went down and scored a touchdown against against the Vikings near the end of that game, but then they gave up a seventy five yard drive to Josh Dobbs. They go out and score a touchdown last week against Cardinals late in that game. Take the lead. They give up. They give up the yep. the game winning field goal. So it's kind of funny how we, we. I think we rightly see this Falcons offense as kind of the thing that's held them back with the turnovers and everything. Um, but at the ends of these games, I think it's it's hard to reconcile because the offense actually has been doing their jobs. Typically in some of these close games, it's been the defense that that's let them down, and it's specifically the inability to pressure and sack the quarterback. I think that that is really what's been rearing its ugly head in some of these late game drive. Now you're bringing up even other stuff. I know, I know. but. <laughs> Real quick, John, before I give it back to you, seven, including our game last week, there were seven games that ended on the last play last week in the wow. NFL. Wow. Seven games that were either a field goal or a touchdown or something like that. So the razor-thin margin of error keeps creeping up. And, and Which it has is for us. why, though, I, I asked the question, though, uh, Harper, and this is why I'm kind of leaning on you from being a player, why it's so critically important to have a belief system that you are, because as you talked about, you know the you know the Braves back in the day. Hey, we're going to find a way to win the game, and and there was a belief system within the team and the fan base that that was going to happen. The the right now you take the lead late in the game, and the belief system you immediately go to X, and the belief system is how are we going to choke? It's been tough to, to watch it, but Contavious Street. <laughs> I said this last week when we had Mark uh, Zeno in, who, who replaced you uh, for that short period of time, and Contavious. Uh, when we signed Contavious from the um, uh, Eagles, Contavious Street, and he came in, we lost the game, but he had had a, a, a pretty good game. Mm-hmm. Welcome to yeah, the club. Yeah, yeah. And Dave Archer's interviewing him, and he's, oh, man, I'm so happy to be here, and I love this locker room, and the vibe around here is fantastic. This is great. And he's come from a team that's 8-1 and one now, right, or yeah. whatever the Eagles are, and he loves our locker room, and that's where there's something that the players aren't letting get to them that we as fans or wanting them to, you know, hey, you should be more upset about this. No, man, we're cool. We got this. We're going to be okay. And it's not every last player, but I know on defensive, uh, the, the interviews that I've heard over the last couple of weeks, we'll be fine. We're going to be okay. So why should I worry as a fan when I know that the team isn't worried? As a, as a fan. It's like my grandmother. My grandmother my, mm-hmm. It's too cold outside. Put a jacket on. Grandma, I'm fine. No, you can't go outside. Grandma, you need to be. Be, be be cool. It, yeah. We're, we're going to be just fine. I'm sorry. Joy, I, well, I, I'm just. I, it is, it's just great that you bring that up because I've not been, you know, kind of uh, um, taken in the, the sport from that pers- from the perspective you have. And I know that myself and lots of fans, you know, you, sometimes it's really frustrating to see players kind of dismissing some you know poor performance on the emotion. field. Or, lack, yeah, exactly, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Kind of being able to disconnect themselves and talk about how they're happy uh, with the locker room despite How dare you? Loss. We just right, lost. Exactly. You're yeah, feeling yeah. great. A shame yeah. on you. Well, we're talking about the Atlanta Falcons kind of grading the team. Uh, stats are what you make of them. I mean, really, the only stat that matters is four wins and six losses. Uh, and you can sit here and talk about some of the stats. The, the Falcons are – you know, 24th in the league in scoring at 18.9 points a game, and that's not good enough. They're uh, uh, 18th in the league in scoring defense, um, you know, but they're 8th in total defense. I, I, again, you can make whatever you want, but there are two stats that do jump out at you. 
uh, and Harper, uh, they are these. And the uh, Falcons are 30th in one of the, uh, the, the sacks most in the NFL, 30th in sacks in the NFL. That was supposed to be fixed. And also they're tied for 30th in turnover margin where they're negative six and only the, the Raiders and Bears are worse. So when you're 30th and six uh, underwater, by, by give you an idea, uh, the Buccaneers, uh, the Tampa Bay is plus eight in turnovers this year. The Falcons are minus six. That's 14 turnover difference between the two teams. Uh, the uh, the Falcons are minus six and 30th in turnovers. They're 30th in sacks. Th- those two stats, they do jump out at me because that says you got a problem. I agree. I agree. And there are a lot of other stats that would be in the bottom half uh, of where you would want them to be. Um, and, and really, as you mentioned at the outset, the only one that really matters is the four and six aspect of it. That's the only one that counts. And if, if you're asking for a letter grade, for me, it'd be probably a C minus. Um, I, I could be in L.A. right now in New York or Chicago, and we could be on sports radio talking about the teams there. And I guarantee you, uh, they'd be going, well, it's not as bad in Atlanta as it is here. You know, we all think it's bad, but there's some other cities in the league that are uh, uh, crying about the the results of their team. New York Giants, are you kidding me? That that's a place you, you don't want to lose there. Uh, they'll be cheering for you. Remember Ray must go, John. You remember that when Ray, uh, whatever mm-hmm. I don't, Ray Handy was a head coach there. They're cheering at the beginning of a ball game that you need to leave. We want you out right now, and we're waiting for Wellington Marriott to do that. So, um, I don't like those stats either. We've had a problem with with sacks. For years, uh, Joe and I during the break were talking a little bit about uh, Vic Beasley and and when he was there, what a great initial step that he had, but he couldn't get to the quarterback. So I don't care how good your step is, what's the result? So bad results. And well, he did lead he did lead the league in sacks in you know, two thousand six. Yeah, and he got ten and against I, uh, in two that. games, and then the rest of the, the the time he barely got any at all. So I hey, I listen, agree with he you. Got, he got he got he at least got to, at least he did something. He did get the ten, <laughs> right? Yeah, but then then what what would you do? Uh, what have you done for me lately? And uh, that that's that's the aspect of where I'm coming from right now. And again, we're so close from being a six and four team, but we're not. So I get it. There's a lot of room for improvement still, but uh, I think the defense is much enhanced. Imagine if we had last year's defense playing right now, we'd be uh, we'd be two and eight or worse, you know. But uh, that's where I am at the point. What is the future of the Falcons' quarterback position? Harper had a chance to he didn't realize it at the time going in, but to do a little bit of in-person scouting last night at a potential future quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons. What did he see? when he watched Jaden Daniels play live in Baton Rouge, and what will the Falcons do in terms of that position moving forward? That's next, live on the Wade Ford Tailgate Show. Joe Patrick, Harbor LaBelle, John Fricky on Sports Radio 92 on the game. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.